Welcome to the Legacy Pod. In episode 9, I spoke to James Stanton Cook, aka Jimmy Halfcut. Jimmy is an Australian rainforest warrior and co-founder of the Halfcut Organisation, a social movement raising awareness around the reality that 50% of the world's forests have been destroyed. This was a conversation completely different to any so far on the Legacy Pod, but it might just be one of the most important yet. Enjoy the story of Jimmy Halfcut, the man with half a beard trying to save the planet. James Stanton Cook, a.k.a. Jimmy Halfcut, welcome to the Legacy Pod. Oh, mate, thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Gratitude. Thanks, mate. Obviously, let's just start at the beginning and what everyone, you know, if you can see, if you can't see, the half beard would talk me through this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, look, um, I mean, it's, how do you sort of say a long story short, but, um, mate, I had a really big beard uh, originally. Uh, I was travelling with my better half and co-founder, uh, Jessica Clark in uh, South America, and we decided to do a bunch of conservation work in the Amazon Basin in Bolivia, in Ruin Rabahi. And, uh, yeah, mate, look, I had a real big beard, and everyone was going, oh, mate, great beard. Like, this was before beards were in, you know. It was just, you know, I'm a hairy little hobbit who can grow a big beard, um, <laughs> sort of Ned Kelly style, you know. And, um, yeah, it was my better, my better half who said, oh, it's for conservation. So we sort of started growing beards, and it was very male-dominant, so we wanted to sort of change that. Um, and make it more inclusive. But, yeah, I had a big beard, mate. And then when I think 2017, we learned that half the world's forests were gone, I was just like, what is going on? Come yeah. on. Like, that's just absurd. Like, what are we doing? Um, and I, I just put it out. And I was, I was, we were both background school teachers, high school teachers. So we put it out to all our family, friends, the sports clubs, the schools, everything, and sort of said, oh, if uh, I raise if I raise a hundred thousand dollars, me and Jess will go half cut for a whole year. Um, long story short, as I was saying before, four years in, mate, being <laughs> wow. half cut now, and I've uh, got three more years to go to uh, adhere to all the donate for all the donors, you know. So yeah. um, that's the long story short, mate. <laughs> I mean, the we can go. So you've sort of set the scene there pretty well uh, and explained the fact that you do have a half beard and a big beard. Um, at that the obviously conservation is a massive passion of yourself is that always something that's been within you is it something that that grew as you got older where where does where does that passion come from which might seem like a strange question because it's probably something that everyone should have in this day and age that totally mate well mate i um complete probably nature and nurture um uh like i guess i really cut my teeth at a very young age when i was an eight-year-old watching my bushland being destroyed so, you know, we had four to five hundred year old, incredible endemic Sydney blue gums that are now threatened and endangered species here in Australia. And uh, yeah, mate, it was replaced by a motor road. So, like a lot of us, we sort of, um, you know, we've all had our own individual experiences of watching nature being destroyed. And I think a lot of us, it hurts and it leaves an impact and really, um, you know, uh, creates a chemical change for a lot of people. And it definitely did for me. But that was sort of half of it, but the other half of it um, is my mother. She was, before the word was even created, she was the community organiser. Okay. So I had all the ratbag tree activists and tree climbers and um, <laughs> traditional owners coming and staying with us. So I was very fortunate at such a young age just to be around such incredible people who were fighting for nature and the community. Um, yeah. And, you know, who wants another bloody motor, you know, motorway? Um, so yeah, look, I've, I've cut my teeth quite young, as I said, witnessing and watching all of that. But I think at the same time, mate, like I, as a young boy, I didn't quite understand, um, you know, what was kind of going on really, to be honest, seeing that level of destruction and then, you know, violence from police and, you know, the community was really torn apart because you had yeah. people pro the, pro the, pro the road and anti. So yeah, so, uh, I think as, as I said, a bit of nature and nurture and, um, obviously my mother was a, a, a bit of a powerhouse. Uh, for good in conservation and animal welfare. But, um, oh, mate, I'll never forget just sort of seeing even dead ringtail possums and powerful owls that are now threatened and endangered species here in Australia. Um, yeah, woohoo, we take the, the number one for mammal extinction in the world is Australia, you know. So 
we're not all that green and clean and great over here. We got a long way to go, but we sure we sure could be. Um, but anyway, yeah. So eight years old, mate. So what? I'm 35 now. So just let's say 25 years or something. So as an eight-year-old, and you're seeing this this motorway being developed, when and I'm assuming it's either just to get somewhere faster or for business needs. What what do you as a as an eight-year-old? How do you digest that information and seeing the destruction that's unfolding around you simply for, you know, some tarmac. Oh, mate, and you're well, spot on, right? It was, you know, it, it did it, it, all it's ultimately done is it become the most expensive parking lot in Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> this motorway, you know, because it all bottles next, right? So, um, yeah, and look, I think what was robbed from the, apart from the community and the wildlife was, you know, I used to kick around that bush. That was my little bit of escapism and freedom. Yeah. And, you know, it was like an expansion of my property in a way. So I was fortunate, you know, I'm privileged and fortunate enough to have that. Um, but, yeah, to then see it just turned into what it was like, a four-way motorway, you know, it was it was just, you know, it was overwhelming. No other way to describe it to see what had happened. And, um, you know, uh, as I said, the community as well, like what what actually happened to the community. I mean, it was a, it was a four to five year battle, so yeah, and wow. we lost, we lost. Um, but you know, it's one sort of case study of many other case studies, and yeah. you know, to show the impacts of pollution, the impacts to the community's health, the impacts to the flora and fauna. Um, yeah, it was pretty significant. It was all laid out, and sorry, even the water cycles and the water systems, but uh, our pollution, the, the pollution levels have now eradicated you know like native eels and you know potential food sources that were indigenous people eating for seventy thousand years yeah um i mean they even built it they built they it was quite extraordinary we one of the elders um ray uncle ray i'll never forget him either he actually cursed the bridge and cursed the the road from being built because it was on aboriginal sacred site and over an aboriginal um cave Yep. So instead of demolishing the cave, I'm not sure if you saw that horrendous news that um, a big mining corporation over here, 76,000 year old cave, they just blew it up, you know, because oh uh, hey, they can. Yeah, so, and they knew about it. But so it's the same sort of, um, you know, nothing, nothing much has changed really, has it? Yeah. So instead of blowing or, you know, destroying this cave, they just built a bridge over it. But you go and look at it now and it's just appalling because then, you know, where you have isolated areas, you have more graffiti and more litter and, you know, other unfortunate things happening. Yeah. So anyway, it's just one of these things, mate, concrete jungles rule the world. <laughs> when you say it was a four or five year battle, so obviously from, and I don't know this is going off topic about what you're doing right now, but I think it's important to get a sense of, of the backstory yeah. and, and where it all comes from. Um, that battle, I, you know, that was obviously fighting against the the motorway being being built in the first place. Um, what, what sort of effect does that leave on you? You know, you're, you've obviously chosen one side of the camp. You said the community was very divided. When you're growing up in and around that, that's clearly formed you, shaped your outlook on life. Um, but it must have been really, you know, you might, do you feel as if that fight stole something of what should have been a happy, natural childhood for yourself? Oh, totally. I mean, you know, as I said, it, I think a chemical reaction went off and it changed me for, I think, the better. Uh, to And, uh, you know, making it realistic because we know it's not all just, um, you know, sunshine and raindrops yeah. and whatnot and happy times. It's There's a reality of what's going on, but then there's also that's that reality of um, when do we say enough's enough and actually allow the one, well, not just the one ecosystem, but all these ecosystems that yeah. provide everything for us a bit of um, a safe ground. So, uh, yeah, sure, the one aspect there was, um, you know, high levels of, you know, anxiety and unsureness and not sure why police were rocking up to the house and arresting people and, and not for doing anything even wrong, you know. This yeah. is the insanity of it. Um, it just shows the, the how power is so easily broken within these systems. So I think I learned very young and very quickly that um, a lot of our systems have a lot of corruption and a lot of power uh, that you know, uh, sway in the, towards the pendulum, towards the side that wants to get the job done. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it was quite interesting to learn all that and watch all that. But um, no, look, you know, I feel it definitely, as I said, it's cut my teeth and it's made me who I am today and extremely proud of uh, sort of the legacy that's carried on from there. And, um, 
just the beginning, mate, yeah. The work that you've done so far has clearly been phenomenal. If you can, and you, you know, you look at your website, your vision, your mission is is a huge one. When you set that out, how how daunting a task was it to basically repopulate the world's rainforest? Oh, mate, I, I think, you know, it's, it was like anything. It's like, well, well, we've really got nothing to lose, so we might as well aim very high. <laughs> um, I mean, look, I think the, the, the hardcore reality right now is there's no way one, not for, you know, not for profit like ourselves or all of the organisations combined, if we all collaborated, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're stronger together, as we all know. Um, it, you know, we're a part of that solution, but we, as we usually well know, and we all know, it's we seriously need government support and, you know, the, the right legislation in place to protect our last remaining forests. And that's where we're at. We're sort of in that sort of, look, you know, I think most people get half of anything isn't good. Yeah. Um, you know, glass half full sort of metaphor as well. That doesn't work quite well for anyone. Um, but yeah, so but as I said, we're we're going to have a solid crack at it because um, we know the it is probably the the greatest and cheapest asset to addressing this climate emergency is yeah. to keep our forests protected and to get on with the regen, which at the moment we're establishing. For about a dollar, a dollar we're establishing a rainforest trade. So quite incredible to think that we can do this and we've yeah. got track record of it. Um, it's uh, it's sort of like this this war on COVID and you know, we've, we've, we've seen at a global scale we, we do need a war on regen and we need a war on the climate crisis. Um, and what I mean by that, without using that word war, because we know it's got such uh, atrocities to it, but it really is the scale of a, a global... Um, sort of impact that we need to do. So that's why, as, as you've probably seen, we're, we're part of the Trillion Trees Initiative to, um, yeah, rewild re- re- the Earth's rainforest. We've put our hand up for rainforests. So, yeah. Well, you, you obviously mentioned $1 per tree. Just explain to me the, the actual logistics of what that, if I was, you know, if I was to give you $1, yeah. how would you then plant that money? Oh, look, I'm actually really cranky with the person who came up with a dollar per tree because it's, it's not it's realistic. Not <laughs> no, it's not a dollar. So that's why uh, when, when I mentioned before, we use the language one dollar establishes one okay. rainforest tree. So um, without being a trick on words, it's, that's not the intention at all. It's uh, whatever bugger came up with one dollar plants a tree just stuffed it for everyone because <laughs> everyone expects that now, right? Yeah. Whereas in the reality of it is if you're going to establish one plant one tree from seed yep. to sapling into the ground and manage it, water management, weed management, et cetera, you're probably looking at about $10. But what we've found is through a deep ecology of rainforest restoration is if we expand off existing rainforest, we're going to have natural seed dispersal and we're going to yep. have natural rewildlings is what we refer to them as that will shoot up between them. So with the science that we've created and read and researched over the last 30 years, if we planted about 1.5 metres to 1.8 metres apart, we bring that cost right down. So okay. when we say establishes in a one square metre vector or one, one square metre area, we could have anywhere between four to five to eight um, plants of, yep. um, of, or trees. So, yeah, so, yeah, um, the bugger who came with $1, yeah, it made it really hard, but, yeah, we have this, incredible deep ecology model of restoration now and i think um you know what's just so incredible about it is in three years we can have an established canopy and we can literally walk away um and the survival rate is extremely high we yep. we have about 97 percent survival rate with three percent that we do lose that we replant but um that's the beautiful thing about rainforests like it all speaks for itself you know hence the word rain forests <laughs> it's it's yeah you know uh, water cycles, carbon drawdown, medicine, habitat for wildlife. Like, um, If we were just talking rainforest, mate, I'd, um, I'd be more than half cut because uh, there's only less than 4% of our rainforest left on Earth and once 14%. So, yeah, it's, uh, we thought we'll, you know, we'll definitely we'll put both hands up for the Trillion Trees Initiative to rewild the Earth's rainforest. I mean, that's a really stark statistic when you put it like that. Um, yeah. Climate change, deforestation, if you look hard enough, it's it's in your face these days. Um, and it does feel like people are slowly starting to wake up, but mm. clearly not fast enough. Um, when this has been your life's work, um, you know, yeah. we can get into your background and, you know, the journey that you've been on since that, 
you know, that eight-year-old boy saw those, you know, the, the bush taken away. But how frustrating is it for you when you are the minority, I guess, in terms of people who are, and I'm using that as a collective, you know, the mm. people that are fighting for the reversal of these effects. There's just not enough people like you, is there? Yeah, and mate, look, that's why I think, as I said to you before, like, I look like it's 24-7 now because, and you mentioned, and you, you would have heard me mention before about these systems that are broken and collapsed. I mean, we've just got to look at our media. For example, like, no billionaire should own our media and portray what we're to learn and what we shouldn't learn yeah. and what's in their vested interests. Interests, And we know what's in their vested interests is mining, animal agriculture, logging, <laughs> and, um, you know, the environment comes dead last. It's seen as we can do what we want with it. So I, I guess where I'm going with that full circle is the amount of people even here in, you know, small, tiny Australia that I bump into and they go, what? Half the world's forests are gone? What? I had no idea. We, what? So it's just a sort of like it's, they're just the education isn't there or, as yeah. we know, you know, all these search engines that we use, we're all put in our algorithms and, you know, it's just you're kept in your box of what, you know, you search for now. So I'm yeah. seeing my rescue dog jumping up on me. Get down, boy. So <laughs> will stick his head right in. <laughs> Get down. Sorry about that. David Attenborough, he'll be knocking on the door next, just so you know. <laughs> well, I've got two rescue dogs downstairs, so you're in good company. You know, <laughs> sorry, mate, I should have put them away. Um, no, we're outside. Um, yeah, so look, I kind of really think that what gobsmacks me is just how much people aren't educated. And then when they get the facts and the information, they're like, oh, well, mate, how do I help out? Like, yeah. I'm in. So the way we look at that is then going, okay, well, then how do we grow this into such a, you know, an incredible mass organic movement? Um, where, you know, the funds are going into conservation and we've got, you know, great leaders everywhere because I, f I feel most people are genuinely very concerned about everything that's going on with the climate. Um, the pandemic's been a really yep. good wake-up call for a lot of people, as we know, um, and people want to be part of the solution. So, yeah, I think... For me, I, I work on that every day, every person I can touch to try and make a positive impact. But uh, it's not because of me, it's because of them, because of their yeah. individual action, then happy days. But as we well know as well, we need a huge global shift quick and fast. So I guess my approach is a, to it is do it a bit funny, do it with a bit of cheek and humour. Yeah, uh, You get people laughing and coming your way, you're halfway there. Um, and that's the whole idea of this visual disruption, just to get people going, mate, what are you playing at? You lose a bet. So like, oh, we're losing a bet with Mother Nature, but, hey, we can turn that around if you come on board. You know, your demeanour, you, you uh, clearly you've got, uh, you know, a great passion. You are really happy-go-lucky. But given the, sub <laughs> given the subject matter that you're dealing with, oh, yeah. you know, do you ever get a bit, how do we fix this? Well, I mean, honestly, mate, like I've, I've, even when we started off, like it, we, when we were in South America watching all the, you know, the, the cattle ranching and the clear felling, yeah. we just were shaking our head and, you know, but it was no different to here in Australia. Like we're the only developed country out of 11 countries that are in the top three for deforestation and we're the only developed country, right? So we're definitely, we're appalling what we're doing here as well. So it's not like we can just go to developing countries. Well, we are the youngest and developed country and what we've done is just, Vandalism, there's no other word yeah. for it. Um, but yeah, I think, Malo, I mean, I think part of the whole going half cut for me was I was furious. I, I can't not, I'd be lying saying, oh no, I'll do it with a, with a good foot forward and always yeah. a smile and a laugh about it. Like, there is obviously horrendously dark, deep times of going, we should just pack it all up, you know. <laughs> What's the point? Yeah. Like, especially when you when you're engaged with the science and the facts. And um, I mean, for me personally, I look at these poor scientists who have been saying it for thirty, forty, you know, sorry, half a century. Yeah. Uh, no wonder they're going into you know, nervous breakdowns and meltdowns because it's like we're living it live, and um, this emergency. And I think for me, I look at two things. I think, well, when it's an emergency, we'd rather do two things: we can crawl or crawl into a uh, you know a ball and. You know, hope someone else deals with it, or we 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 step it up and go. Well, hey, I am here. Yeah. Um, I am a consumer. Even uh, you know, I'll have a carbon footprint. Even 
for myself, trying to be reduce that as every day uh, and as much as I possibly can. But yeah, um, I think that's the yeah for me. I think I was the same before. Going half cut was my circuit breaker. That allowed me to kind of go, oh my gosh, actually people really care about this too. Yeah, we've just got to, we've just got to activate them. So yeah. Were you ever going to do anything else? You know, as you moved into adolescence through school, when you know, what, what was your what was your sort of career path? Were you always going to do something like this? Yeah, look, I think um, definitely was that sort of rat bag activist. You know, I just enjoyed it, loved it. Yeah. But then saw the pros and the cons to it. Saw how you really just got put into a box and labelled as, um, you know, someone that you're not. You know, so. Um, Sorry, someone's walked past and had a wave. <laughs> That's what happened. Sorry, this is <laughs> this is my life. Um, anyway, so um, and look, that's just a classic example. I'm saying someone will go, oh, please, set up with half a bed. What was he? What was he carrying on about? You know, yeah. what, what, what was all that about? Um, but yeah, so but in saying that as well, like went through the you know being arrested and all the other ups and downs of and the dark times as well, where you haven't got someone there to back you up. Yeah. So um, sort of then you know did what anyone did that was passionate about the environment, volunteered and joined other incredible groups doing great works. Um, but I feel for me personally, I've always just been a bit of that disruptor. It's part of my nature. Yeah. Like I enjoy it. Like I like to like, you know, prod and push or not push, prod and, you know, push the boundaries and just sort of see where, um, you know, how, how we can raise the bar. I'm very big about raising the bar and, um, doing it collectively, not yeah. just, oh, this is how we did it now. I want other groups to do it with us. Um, so, um, I think, yeah, look, I, if, if anything, I think it's just been a calling. It's been a calling. It's like a pilgrimage for me. I, I, I wouldn't do anything else. I couldn't do anything else to be yeah. honest. So it just, it is what it is. I, I think that's it, a calling. Yeah. You know, I think for a lot of people in this day and age in 2021, they're probably only getting that light bulb moment, realizing the point of no return is kind of almost upon us. But when did, when did you get that wake-up call? When did you realise we need to do something here? Yeah, so pretty young and early on in life, I think after, you know, because I had to live and watch this built road and watch people around the area get sick and people yeah. move out. But then, um, you know, like uh, I was studying when I was in year 10, about the Daintree, the world's oldest rainforest, and how yeah. two-thirds of it were released for development. And that's where I fell in love with the cassowary and the Bennett's tree kangaroo and all this kind of stuff. And I was just sort of sitting there going, if we're allowing the world's oldest rainforest to be hacked into for development, what real change? <laughs> and even then they were talking about, and I was learning about coral bleaching and the crown yeah. of thorn starfish and runoff from inappropriate farmers and all the chemicals and pesticides and herbicides and fungicides. So... I'll sort of even sit there kind of already going, and then obviously, you know, we're going into a population crisis and a water crisis and, you know, a waste crisis. So I think pretty young on. So I think even when I was, like, in high school, so geez, back in 2096, I think, or whatever it was, to just say 2000. Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty switched on then about it all and, um, yeah, you know, but, again, looked up to some of my heroes, you know, like the – Doc, um, Dr. Jane Goodalls and the Bob Browns and, yep. the, you know, David Attenboroughs and, um, you know, Professor Tim Flannery's, all these incredible, sorry, I've mentioned more Australian sort of um, folk there, but, you know, just to see that they've been at it for longer than me and they're still at the good fight. Yep. And I think that's the thing, when you're at the good fight, you meet other incredible great people who you banner around. And, uh, you know, even if we are on that Titanic, which was doomed, at, you know, even leaving from Ireland... <laughs> because it was already on fire, um, you know, it doesn't not mean that we can't maybe not turn this ship a new course. And that's the whole yep. idea, you know, like let's let's all get on. We're all on that Titanic, but let's um, put out the fire first and then let's get on with the, all the other. And that's the thing. It's all the solutions are there. We just, as we know, need the the, the mass engagement and the political will and, um, you know, tell him he's dreaming. <laughs> But I mean, and that's the thing, do you, you know, I guess it, when you stop having that optimism, it's time to, to pack it all in. You must genuinely yeah. believe that people will wake up and that that fire can be put out, literally. Yeah, I mean, and that's, and look, honestly, that's what we've seen, like, you know, um, sure, we're a small fry in the game of the conservation realm and world, but we're shaking it up, like, I mean, 
we we didn't necessarily set out to uh, you know raise the money that we're now raising, and it's not like it's huge money. Like I mean, during a pandemic, we you know raised over four hundred thousand dollars, but bought back seven incredible properties of Gondwana land rainforest in the Daintree and gifted them to the lowland Daintree traditional owners, the Gugu Yalanji people or yeah. the farmer people to manage long-term. So there's things in moments like that where then you find other people who are just like, I've been, I've been waiting for an organisation like you. Where have you been? <laughs> you know? uh, and, but then to bring on ethical corporates, you know, like who would have thought like, We've brought on banks, electricity, superannuation, yeah. and 58 incredible other smaller businesses who are like, no, we want to be part of saving this uh, and all part of the regen. And, you know, you kind of then just look at it and go, well, if we do this right and if we do this in a way that is so palatable but with great tangible outcomes and a positive impact ongoing, who wouldn't want to be part of it? Like who wants to be part of really destruction and pollution and poor health yeah. And, you know, more cancer because our environment is so damaged. I mean, you know, I, I know everyone, I think in their heart of hearts, everyone wants to do good. They're just not given that opportunity or they've just got to find that courage. I think they've got to be courageous as well and go, yep, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this not just for myself but for all sentient beings and family, you know, because we all know that gets people engaged is um, thinking about their family, yeah. But that is a massive shift as well, though, isn't it? When you've got the option of ethical investment or ethical banking yeah. or ethical electricity, that, that's never really existed in the last 10 years. It's only really now totally. that seems to have been a, 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 yeah. a real step change. Bill McKibben, 350, incredible. So that whole, and even that language divestment, again, it's that whole education, what does that mean? And it's that whole, well, I'm divesting my, my bank who might invest, or my super yeah. or my electricity, who invest in fossil fuels, uh, who invest in deforestation, who might invest in large, broad-scale animal agriculture and then all the other nasty stuff, and saying, well, uh, no, I'm going to switch and ensure that none of my money is invested in those big, polluting, damaging companies or corporates. Yeah. So that was something we found that was just incredible. So off the back end of everyone going half-cut and having a laugh and... Um, you know, from celebrities to schools to, you know, uh, grandparents. I mean, it was, it was just so great. It was all cultures, all ages, all sexes. And that was what was really awesome to watch. And, and you know, it wasn't even half-cut beard or half-braided hair or coloured. Like, people were eating half a tub of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or half a, a snack or something for 31 days. It was just genius how people came up with their own idea of half-cut. But what we found off the back of that is we were then able to invite all those incredible people to say, hey, in, in actually 15 minutes, you know, you can start the process to engage in a huge divestment campaign that we've created. Yeah. Uh, sorry, not we've created, we've, we've just replicated what um, other organisations have done but just focused on one. We're like, let's focus on all of them. So uh, that was pretty powerful to watch that, just to see all these people divesting and... Um, you know, again, because let's be honest, I think a lot of people don't either have the time or the energy to really think about their super or their electricity or yeah. who they're banked with um, and what they're investing in. So, and again, it's that education piece, you know, and yeah, I think that's what we're like, well, hey, we're here for that. We'll take that as well. <laughs> and again, that must have been a, has, has that been a learning curve for you as well? Because when you got into this this road that you're on, even starting from, you know, the half cup beard, how yeah. much has it evolved? Because you couldn't have imagined that all of these different branches would actually allow you to, to spread that message. Yeah, I mean, spot on. And look, as I said, it was more just trying to raise the awareness, but then when we realised we had a real powerful position and platform to work on, yeah. once, you know, again, that whole word data, our data started to grow and we kind of were like, well, this is a good solid engaged data let's let's engage them further like how far can we engage them and then what we found off that is then um you know and if, if anyone's listening to this this is all i'll say do piggyback off the data of other good ethical corporations and small businesses yeah because what you find is these people are hungry for change and they're hungry to do good and they're hungry to do you know great things they just need to be given the opportunity and it's something that we've found and it's like well let's keep on doing that then let's keep on showing the blueprint and how we're doing it and expanding it so uh, and i think this the daintree program that we're doing um is a, a brewing case study for that because you know like 
180 million year old rainforest that it's still being developed on. It's outrageous, you know, yeah, right next crazy. to the Great Barrier Reef, two World Heritage iconic areas in the world, the only two that are placed next to each other that are in a harmonious balance. Well, not so much because half the Great Barrier Reef is now dead, yeah. sadly. <laughs> um, you know, and we'll be, what we found from that is we, you know, rather than us just going in and saying, well, we, we, we're going to do this and we want this back from you or from the traditional owners, it was the complete opposite. It was like, no, we just want to buy and we want to gift it to you. Is that okay? Yeah. And that's where this relationship has just blossomed. And, again, what I'm getting with this is this is just another model that can be replicated to support traditional owners globally and also conservation because they have the knowledge and the skill sets and the history for best practice and how to manage it long term. And also to, well, especially here in Australia, reclaim that most appalling history. Um, so, Yeah. I was going to touch on that and the actual the logistics, the procedure of once you raise the money, once you want to buy the land to, mm. you know, to regenerate it. Were there any hurdles or has it been pretty simple because you are offering that model of we want to buy it, but then give it back to you. And that takes away the yeah. pressure of a developer coming in to try and buy the land or force the land off. Well, I mean, shockingly, the government at the time that released that two thirds for the lowland land tree um, never should have happened. Um, 1,100 hectares uh, because it was for real estate. Yeah. It made it easier for us. So it's literally, and again, sure, we're not necessarily wanting to work with a big real estate or real estate at all, but this is the system and the model. Yeah. So you've got to work with it. But, yeah, I mean, in saying that, though, we've, we've met incredible people who have literally gifted it to us to gift to the lowland danger traditional owners. That's then managed by the Jabalbina Yalangi Aboriginal Corporation. So they're like government-managed corporations. And then the next step in process is expanding onto Daintree National Park to expand the Daintree. So, yeah, so, I mean, look, the process hasn't been that bad. The hurdles haven't been actually shocking at all. I mean, what is shocking is we've got a model where we could buy back the rest of the Daintree yesterday. So, I mean, we've only got to raise 35 to $45 million and most people go, oh, geez, mate, that's a lot. It's like, well, with the amount of money that's thrown out there, it's, it's a drop in the ocean. Yeah. Like we literally could today or tomorrow say, hey, we've saved the Daintree, which is going to be expanding Daintree and, you know, again, all the other perks, providing habitat for threatened endangered species like cassowaries and providing further nutrients for the Daintree up at the Great Barrier Reef and, and again, the traditional owners to reclaim. So I just kind of feel, um, it, yeah, it's, it's it actually, for me personally, like when I think about it, like I know it's a huge amount of money, but for me it's just like, well, when we know what money is being generated out there, you know, we could achieve this so easily and so quickly. Yeah. And I just look and go, well, why not? Let's do it. Let's Because for every property that we do lose, we've just lost 180 million years old of ecology. Yeah. And even put that in your brain, like for me, I, I find that hard to compute you know, how to figure that out. You actually can't break that down. Yeah, that's right. It's just, it's just like, it's how much more do you have to say? It's the oldest and we're still destroying the oldest yeah. rainforest on Earth. It's still going on. So, yeah, it's uh, uh, 15 times older than the Amazon. That's unbelievable. I mean, from a money uh, point of view, did you set yourself a target or is it just whatever it takes? Well, yeah, we kind of just went on the Google and figured it out and went, oh, okay, that one's worth 25000 Well, let's hit them up. And then yep. that's just sort of how it's grown and developed. That's and now we've got a case for support. So we've actually mapped out the 207 strategic properties global, uh, in the Daintree that we are of high critical, you know, uh, development. But yep. the ecology of it is absolutely incredible as well. So from that mapping, we're like, well, that's a pretty good visual of what we can achieve. Um, and now really where we're at is, yeah, just... Uh, unfortunately, it is a monetary game. Unfortunately, yeah. it is. It's. I, I wish it wasn't, um, but this is what we have to do. Um, so, yeah. But you know, and who would have thought that? You know, there's actually a monetary value on the world's oldest rainforest. But you know, it's just it is what it is. So yeah, absolutely. Um, but then that's where we look at people and we go, well, look, hey, the tangibility with this is two dollars fifty. You know, half the price of a bad coffee. Um, you know, we're saving a square meter for life. Yeah. So if every human being like said, oh, here's $2.50, I mean, geez, what we could save with the Daintree and then potentially of Sumatra and the Amazon and, you know, India and the list just goes on. Um, 
because that's really what it works out to be for us on average. It's about two dollars fifty saves a square metre of ecology. That you know, as I said, it's endless what they provide for us um, and freely. So yeah. And if you have that blueprint, is that part of the the objective that that can just be lifted and laid to other countries, to other areas? Absolutely. I mean, thing? I think where we're you know a little bit more fortunate is you know being a developed country and being that you know it is technically real estate. And look, some of these properties are pristine; they haven't had any development on it. Yeah. But some of them have had some development, and that's the problem. Where they have had that development, we look at the positive side and go, well, we can regenerate that. Um, I mean, yeah, gosh, uh, there's some properties, nine hectares that have just been vandalised, wow. you know, for bike jumps or for digging for gold, you know, yeah. like <laughs> you kind of go, where's the accountability here? Where, you know, where's the slap on the wrist or, you know, the, the cuffs on the wrist? You know what I mean? Like it's just there's no other word for that level of vandalism for what's been replaced with like bike jumps and a big dirt hole because you're looking for gold. Yeah. So the way we look at that is then go, well, you know, you, you can't just always focus on the negative because you will just drive yourself farmy. But let's uh, look at the good regen story with this because we know we can do this best practice and we know we can regenerate this. So yeah. that's also the other, other nice stories um, or sort of flip side to it. So, yeah. In terms of um, where you're at just now, obviously you've got different campaigns th- throughout the year. You've got one ongoing just now. Do you feel that you've, you're getting traction. I don't want to use the word success because I, I get, I sense yeah, yeah. that you're the sort of person that will never really judge it as a success because it's always yeah. ongoing. But with yeah. the, you know, with the current social media world, the digital landscape, the interest that you're generating, this is a, do you feel like you're doing something like this at the best possible time for people's awareness of it all? Yeah, I mean, I think it was the same before. Like, I think people are just totally, you know, they want to find and and be hungry and given that yeah. solution to do something good. And, I mean, yeah, so our current campaign's uh, a fitness campaign, right? Yep. So we're doing push-ups, sit-ups and squats, um, 30 every day for 30 days to absorb the last 30 years of our carbon emissions uh, to really give us a chance at this climate crisis. Yeah. So um, hence, you know, the 30, 30, 30 sort of messaging there. But I, I think part of it was as well as it's like, um, you know, there's that shocking article, and I don't know how much truth is in it, but they, they claim that there's 3% make a change and the rest just have to go along with that change regardless yeah. of what it is. And I just thought, really, 3%? That's... Terrible, like, you know, regardless if it's for good or bad. But uh, for me, I, I kind of want to raise a bit more of a consciousness and an awareness, you know, like we all claim we've got these incredible functioning brains and why don't we actually all work a little bit more harder yeah. together collectively to do better and, you know, maybe just kindness, general kindness, you know what I mean? Gosh, it's not that – it's a choice, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so with, with this one we kind of went, well, let's try and activate the health industry. Let's try and get them on board because, you know, they've got their big pumped-up arms or six-packs or just, you know, health in general. It's like, well, it's so – I mean, I'm all for it. If you're about your health and well-being, I'm total supporter. I think yeah. it's so important, you know, we, you know, physical exercise is medicine, just like being in the natural environment is medicine. Yeah. So what we try to think about is go, well, how do we bring those people over to this side to help be part of – like, we're not just asking them to change anything. It's about your yeah. fitness and your health and well-being. They could probably do it in their sleep or with one finger or something, you know. Um, but it was just that how do we engage you to be part of this very tangible, fun solution which is going to make the food you eat healthier, our water cycles healthier, yeah. um, you know, and engage in that mass trillion trees regen, which we're not going to do on our own. It's, it's As I said, that's a global um, real push together but um the way i look at it is yeah we can definitely do this like i mean i'd love to uh, have a big gym come on board and sort of say hey yeah we're totally we're all doing this uh which is what we have like we we, we have from like small medium-sized gyms and personal trainers but then you know it's not even about just the fitness world as well it is literally just about uh, making it i think one of the one things we always want to do is just make it so inclusive yeah, everyone can have a crack, and you don't have to be even fit. If you know, that's the whole point. Like rewild you to help rewild the Earth's rainforest. Yes, yeah. you know, I think that's definitely where we're at because um, 
let's be honest, there's system collapses everywhere at the moment with environment, yeah. ecology, plastics, water, you know, mental health, the list goes on. It's uh, quite worrying, but that's the thing. It's like, well, um, we're, you know, not only are we wanting to do and raise the funds and, you know, benefit our health, we, we want people to come and plant those trees. Yeah. So, yes, we're focusing on Australia, um, Sumatra and India at the moment, but, hey, um, I've got people knocking in all over the place saying, hey, can we do the trees here? I'm like, yeah, yeah. sure, let's figure this out. Let's do, let's it. do it. Yeah. Totally, let's do it. So if we can create the fundraising for that and partner with other incredible groups who are on the ground all the time putting the trees in the ground, like what we've been doing as well. Um, but as you know, you just can't do it all. Yeah. So that's what's so exciting about this. It's like how many other awesome trees are out there where we can all link and do some tree shyness. No one's above or below, but we're just feeding each other, you know. We're, we're building each other up, and that's how I see it. We're, hey, where are those other great trees I want to network with? And then we're like a mycelial network. That's the idea. I mean, the, th- the 3%, that you can look at that as a positive or a negative. If It's mm. terrifying that 3% doing something negative would have everyone sweep along. But the, the flip side is if 3% do something positive. Sorry, it doesn't kiss there. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's right. If the three percent take it in a positive way, then you would hope it would be a bit easier to get people on board. Yeah, and uh, I mean, look, I've, as I said, I, I've, I've got to go and just you know reread that whole article that it's three percent that created change, and if it is, as I said, it's kind of exciting. Yeah, because clearly we're part of that three percent. Yeah, and hopefully your wonderful listeners are too, and get a bit inspired and um, kind of go, hey, yeah, well, what we... the way I always look at it, we've got nothing to lose but everything. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. We, we might as well go all out. Yeah, that's right. So it's like, well, we might as well go all out um, and not necessarily with a bang because we, we don't want that either. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, I think, look, the cheapest solution right now, sorry, I've just got to, wait, you two, can you please go outside? Sorry, mate. I should have put them outside for this part. <laughs> this is where this is that naughty rescue dogs, as you know, where they're like, "No, nah, I've had enough. You yep. stop talking. That's all you do. Take them <laughs> to that wall." <laughs> no, I've got one calm. One's calm, and the other's good. But I, I definitely, I definitely think that um, you know, there is something so positive about planting a tree, and it actually has shocked me when I've spoken at schools. Um, you know, even being a you know, still qualified school teacher is how many people haven't even planted a tree? Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, once you have that feeling and that connection and understanding, uh, you know, and you know, even just the, the smelling of the, the plants and the soil and yeah. the microbes, these are all positive chemical reactions proven by science in our body. And you kind of, um, you know, for me, I, I find that quite shocking that people haven't um, had that experience. And I feel, well, imagine if we just, you know, um, you know we're, they were given that opportunity. Yeah. And given that community and given that being able to look back at it and go, hey, I was part of that. Uh, but then to also ensure that where it's been planted, it's, you know, <laughs> looked after and it's, <laughs> it then hasn't been, you know, removed for development or roads or whatever. So... Um, yeah, I, th- I think right now we're, we're, it's, a, it's a real calling right now. We've got a real opportunity to go grab it with both hands and go all out or, um, yeah, sort of sit back and be, uh, you know, uh, pessimistic about it after or a bit of nihilism or you know, apathetic is probably the word I'm looking for. It's sort of, oh, it's bad, isn't it? But, well, yeah, well, we had the choice to get it right. Yeah. Which side but, were you on? But you you said something there that really interests me, and I guess it's the sustainable nature of it. Like, do you have to? There must be a lot of trust that once you hand this over, is there anything in place that safeguards that you can't then, fifty yep. years down the line, sell this property for development? Yeah. So the beautiful thing with the Daintree buyback, and it's a very unique um, sort of buyback system with the Daintree. Yeah. Obviously, is once we've purchased it. And through that Jabal being a Yalangi Aboriginal corporation, that's where, as I said, once it's on World Heritage uh, value, um, not really a good look to go and try as a government to remove World yeah. Heritage value. Yeah. Uh, but mind you, the, um, the Abbott government of the time here did try to do that in Tasmania, in the Upper Florentine, tried to remove 74,000 hectares 
of world heritage value for logging. Crazy. Yeah, just crazy, right? I mean, and that's the reality. Anything that's old growth, what are we doing? Yeah. Leave it. It's yep. old growth. You know, it's four or five times older than your grandmother. You know, like you just wouldn't go and chop it down, yeah. right? <laughs> so there's that <laughs> element. So, um, but here we are and doing it in 20 minutes at, yeah. you know, full land clearing scale, like acres and hectares, you know. Um, I mean, that's where I personally, going back to before, I have to take my mind away from that, knowing that every second we're losing a football field and a half, every second globally, like that that does hurt. That makes me kind of then go, "Mm, how many trees are we planted this week or this fortnight? You know, that's where I go, my gosh, like it's just um, next level. But, yeah, I think, um, um, sorry, going back to your question with making sure that it's established and protected is, what we, anything that we do is under a covenant. So what that means is it's, in, it's protected in perpetuity. So even okay. if, they, you know, you have good parents or grandparents who have then handed on to their kids, then their grandkids or whoever they sell up, they yeah. can't then decide, oh, hey, that's going to go. I'm going to, um, and if anything, we're trying to change the whole narrative. We're trying to say, look, and I'm, I'm using Australia here as an example just because that's what we've been working on naturally. But, you know, to regenerate rainforests, like my dream is to do from far north Queensland down to northern New South Wales, Byron Bay, you know, Chris Hemsworth yep. and a bunch of other yep. famous actors all live there now, yep. is to say, well, could you imagine and why not imagine and dream big that we actually create a green corridor of rainforest, which it once, used, once upon a time it used to be, well, pretty sure that's going to help with our drought issue. Pretty yeah. sure that's going to help with our horrendous fire issues. Yeah. Because it showed where there was high levels and dense levels of rainforest, it actually halted and slowed down the fires. Pretty sure that, you know, um, it's the second driest continent on Earth, apart from Ant- from the Arctic. Yeah. Um, Antarctica, sorry, that, you know, we should be investing in this. And if anything, anyone around those microclimates where we're regenerating it, they're going to have the, the benefit impacts. And I think this is the whole thing. It's not necessarily fighting with farmers. Um, sure, some do horrendous work, but some are doing fantastic work. But to work with them in a harmonious balance to say, well, we actually want to support your products um, you know, uh, uh, and all the rest of it, but we also want to ensure that this is protected ongoing. Yep. So, um, and I think when people say that, that's, that's the end goal. I mean, you mentioned some of the more famous people there. And, you know, are these guys getting involved? Is that part of the strategy that you try and amplify it through, you know, well-known people? I know. Yeah, I mean. I, know, I can't look, answer to that. I mean, look, it's one of these things. It's um, people with these big profiles, like, they're powerful, right? Yeah. They can reach more people than I can reach on a day, um, you know. So it's one of these things. It's like, um, and I know a lot of them are already doing fantastic, great works and, um, you know, they're just one individual, right? And yeah. there's only so much they can do. But, um, yeah, 100%. Like, the way we look at it is, you know, we want these people to, you know, uh, of status to be like, yeah, hey, I've done something really good by that. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, funny enough, we've got Chris Hemsworth stunt double, Bobby Hollenhampton, who's yeah. uh, doing the current PSS challenge. Um, so, and I think he's coming third or second in fundraising. So, and he's got a team, so they can join his team. And um, I mean, yeah, sure, of course. Like, it'd be, um, yeah, it'd be awesome to get Chris and others, um, you know. But it's like from little things, big things grow, right? Yeah. You know, like yeah. you crawl, walk, run, show your outcomes, show the longer um, legacy vision, and then yeah, let's just let's bring them all on. Like, uh, but in a way, I kind of look at it and go, it should never ever land on like we're foolish to think if we let governments make decisions, corporates make decisions, and people of power that they're always going to do the right thing. Yeah. We know they can all be easily manipulated or corrupt or just go the wrong way full stop. So that's why I, I always look at it and go, it's crazy, right? Like it, even the 1% of the wealthy, it's like, what's happening to the other 99% of us? Like are we awake? <laughs> like what are we doing? Exactly. Like what, what are we doing? We, we, we are the minority. We are the power. Um, anyway, it's but again, that's why they're so good at their marketing and propaganda and um, – yeah, all the all the other systems that they put in place to uh, create unnecessary tensions and pain and fractions. So yeah, anyway, yeah. One thing that I mean, it's it's not a loaded question in any way, but when when you do what you do, and clearly um, it has to be done. Do you personally, when you look at the modern day tools that you need? 
the phones, everything that goes with things that mm. contribute to the downfall of our planet. Do you sort of have a mental, uh, sort of, sorry, a personal struggle with the tools that you need in the life that you live? How do you find that balance? Because you obviously, you have to have things yeah. in your life to do what you need to do. Is, yeah, is it a I struggle mean, for you or do you just accept it as part of as part um, of Look, I think the big consumerism, you know, is like the new religion. It's appalling. The level of consumerism and waste and uh, I just, that again, that, that hurts the heart, you know, yeah. that even half of, like there's lots of halves going on at the moment, uh, as I mentioned before. <laughs> the thing that, you know, half even of our food just ends up in a landfill and yeah. half the world's population's in poverty, you know. Um, there's just so many things that do in my head. I mean, like even with us, with our organisation, that's why, you know, we, again, we're constantly wanting to raise the bar that, you know, we're a, um, a B Corp, we're registering with that, 1% for the planet. Um, we've all worked from our bedrooms from the last seven years, so that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> don't have an office. But, you know, like, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like, yeah, like, we all have a carbon footprint. But, you know, like, you know, as I mentioned before, like, I'm all about walking the talk. Like, you know, I'm a vegan. Um, well, actually, I've... I'm a vegan, so with a B, uh, because when I was an ag science teacher, I taught apiary studies, so beekeeping. Okay. So, again, another essential, you know, insect to the life cycle. Yeah. Um, and they're plummeting left, right and centre because of all chemicals, pesticides, herbicides and, you know, lack of habitat and food and fires and everything else. But, yeah, um, I think, it, it, you know, it's... It, it, it shocks me to just think as well, like, and I think about this all the time, but just with our fundraising and our platforms, what is our carbon footprint? Yeah. So it's one of those things you go, you start going down too many rabbit holes, you just never climb back out again. But yeah. um, this is why I kind of feel, you know, that's why we work with renewable energy companies and corporates, um, you know, to, yeah, and if we even go down that angle, of course, we know there's a carbon footprint to build it and make it, and there's a recycling issue at its life-like cycle. Um, but hey, you know, I think it's it's a hell of a lot better than continuing to dig up dead stuff to burn 100%. it to create more dead stuff in our atmosphere. <laughs> but yeah, no, I hear like it, it really is that whole. Um, actually, I'll give you just one quick example. We had an incredible corporate, um, sorry, a small business that gave us a ten thousand dollar donation to be matched dollar for dollar, and it's a vegan energy drink, and. Um, we shared that good news with our supporters to say, hey, how great, we PSS challenge, we've got, you know, if you want to get an energy drink that's helping plant trees. Um, anyway, we, we, we got uh, uh, one individual come back with a huge amount of criticism about single-use plastics. Okay. And, but I get, I get that, right? Like I, deep down, I get it. It is horrendous. Yeah. But it, for me, I'm like, hey, why don't you take on BP or Shell or Coca-Cola yeah. or the state and federal governments who have done nothing to address this issue that they've created yeah. where they could have had the innovation to, you know, as we know, we're seeing these bottles being made out of cornstarch and other materials that are biodegradable. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just kind of, that's one thing I must say, I do to get a bit of a niggle at because we do spend quite a lot of our time having to politely reply to these sort of comments. But, I mean, like, you know, the, the, you know, to go to all the media and tag them all in, all our other corporates, just like, yeah. <laughs> really, it's like that whole saying, perfect is the enemy of the good. Yep. You know, it, we'd rather know we're all at a bit of a roundabout here and, yes, we all know we've had a carbon footprint, some are a hell of a lot worse than others, but we're all working together to go the other 180 to bring it back and get in a bit of a yep. harmonious sort of situation, Yeah. One of the things you mentioned earlier, which uh, I would love to know the impact it had from an emotional point of view, but also from uh, you know a progress point of view, was the was the fires. Oh yeah. In the last couple uh, of years, I mean, how how hard was that to watch unfold, and how did it impact uh, the organisation? Well, yeah, I mean, oh, I think there was just no other word, but uh, I mean, for me, I. I like a lot of us, we're all angry because we've been talking about this for so long. Yeah. Um, the fact that we have we didn't even have any traditional owners employed as national parks and wildlife rangers engaging in circular burning or cool burning. Yeah. Um, just the misinformation and the lies about, you know, what could have been done better and what, 
you know, how this could have been addressed if us greenies just allowed it, you know, areas to be burnt. They burnt more in, um, you know, um, not back burning because that's, that's the incorrect terminology for this, but the equivalent of that um, where they, they, they did more than they ever could have done and it wouldn't have mattered yeah. because of the climate and because of the conditions and because of the drought and all the rest of it. So, yeah, I think if anything, like for people like myself who sort of, um, you know, were, have been talking about this for 20 years, and the lack of an engagement and that whole sort of Aussie, ah, oh, she'll be right sort of mentality. Yeah. It's like, well, no, no one was right. Three billion animals perished and yeah. potentially 100 billion insects. Um, I think 38 people died from that particular fire, but, you know, uh, 11, 11 million hectares burnt. Parts of Gondwana land rainforests in northern New South Wales that have never been on fire before, ever. So there's things like that where you then sort of sit back and kind of go, and then, you know, and then, then it was that then followed by the pandemic, right? Yeah. So I think, unfortunately, because we're so attuned to forget things because we're such a uh, hustle life and it's like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's yeah. the next thing? What's the next fix? Um, people, I find, especially here in Australia, they forget very quickly about, um, you know, just the horrendousness we all went through. I mean, look, I mean, mate, even where I'm sitting here, so I'm in this, I'm today in a bit of a con- concrete jungle, and the smoke just coming in through your windows day in, day out for, you know, we, it was weeks at a time, right? Yeah. It was, it was just, it was apocalyptic. There's no other word for it. And I know all over the world, like I know in California, they've been going through the same stuff, and you know, but this is this is the thing. We're just not unique. This is everywhere. Yeah. You know, the Amazon, um, which was appalling. Like, I mean, 2019. That's what we we raised. Um, I think it was only $245,000, but it was matched dollar for dollar. But we were saving Amazon rainforest to ensure that governments um, weren't allowing, or for, it was for native title actually, but as a six million acre buyback to just ensure that, you know, people couldn't go in there and purposely light fires like they're doing in Brazil and given the green light by Jair Bolsonaro, the president, just to go and light fires to support cattle ranching. It's crazy. So yeah, you kind of you kind of like <laughs> there's, there's moments like that where you kind of go, oh yeah, let's just pack up shop. Let's just, let's just go and have a beer and switch off and not think about it. But I don't. I just kind of feel that um, we just can't do that. We we need to call this out and um, ensure that we can prevent this from further happening. I mean, look, you know, the, the stark reality is, you know, we're we're on our way to two degrees. Yeah. You know, increasing global temperature, and that's really very likely the point of irreversible and no return. So, um, yeah. Um, and, again, as I mentioned before, that's why with the rainforests, that's why we want to go hard. We really, but not just like at a small level, we want to make this a big, big like uh, government slash corporate slash small businesses communities where like we are treating this like a, I call it the green war for better words. Yeah. I don't know. Right? Something like that where it's um, we're getting on with it and we're, we're, we're we're reducing that risk because really, we're this is a ticking time. When's the next? It's not. It's not if. It's when is the next one, <laughs> yeah. and how much bigger is that going to be? Yeah. Well, and I think everything that you've said there is. You don't need me to tell you, but why you shouldn't pack up? Because I think you know if we could have double. Well, the well there's cuts. no there's no planet B as we know for starters. <laughs> well, we're trying to find one. Uh, maybe maybe you and Muslim yeah, well, give someone in help you. Well, actually, I will say this. If everyone's got a contact to old mate Elon, Elon Musk, it's, um, mate, you, you probably saw it as well. They put $100 million out for someone developing one of the drawdown carbon systems. Yeah. Draw carbon. It's like, uh, I think nature made it. It's called a tree. Yeah. Um, so for us, we sort of looked at it and went, oh, geez, like what we could do with $100 million, like, geez, there's the Dane tree brought back. Yeah. There's potentially this actual green corridor created but stepping away from australia like we are working in sumatra like we're, we're going to go and be cutting down um, palm oil that have entroached into a national park and the, the corporation's given us approval to do this to reclaim probably a million um establish a million rainforest trees so um you know and then this is the same with within india like I and mean, this is the thing it's the community you get the community and the power and all of them fired up and they I think right now they're feeling, absolutely, they're feeling, um, especially off all the climatic events and then dealing with COVID, 
there is a little bit of that nihilism and, oh, well, we're stuffed. Why, why, yeah. why do anything? Whereas then it's like, well, hey, no, no, let's, let's try and bring community together. We can all still wear our masks and do the 1.5 metres or, I mean, that's what it is here in Australia and, you know, um, but, yeah, the reality is this pandemic is one of many to come. It's not, and then we, we, let's not forget the bigger wave, the big climate, you know, <laughs> the big climate crisis. Wave. Yeah, so anyway, I think that's the thing. Let's, let's, I don't know, it's uh, really try and power people and, um, you know, to, I guess right now to step it up but in a fun, positive way in community. So, yeah. Well, Jimmy, I really appreciate you taking the time from what's clearly a, a massively busy schedule to uh, have a chat with me. Uh, Paul, absolute pleasure, mate. It's, uh, you're a top seller, mate. Thanks for um, your time as well, mate, and all you do. No problem. And, and listen, best of luck for, uh, for everything going forward. Oh, and by the way, mate, I've, I'm going to nominate you for going half-cut August 31st. I can see you can grow a mighty beard there, mate, so you're next. Done. I'm up. Consider it done. Right. Beautiful, mate. Thanks for listening to The Legacy Pod. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, share, and if you've got some time, leave a review. I'll be back next time for another great episode.